You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Noelle Herhesky-Schneider. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, November 24th, 2021. Later in the program, the Community Kitchen of Monroe County will offer a free meal on Thanksgiving Day to those in need. WFHB News Director Kate Young speaks with Executive Director of Community Kitchen, Vicki Pierce, in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, Giving Beyond Thanks on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. Host and producer Richard Fish covers charity scams in the latest edition of Better Beware. But first, your daily headlines. The United Way of Monroe County has garnered over $5 million for the Heading Home 2021 initiative, a long-term housing-first approach to combating homelessness and housing insecurity in the community. Executive Director Efrat Pfefferman explained what the project entails and how it will use the funds to tackle issues of homelessness and housing insecurity. This is a collaboration with our Community Foundation of Bloomington, Monroe County, with support from several partners, including the City of Bloomington, Monroe County, Bloomington Township, Perry Township, and the South Central Housing Network, along with numerous other volunteers who have spent their time over the past 10 months or so updating this plan for our community to reduce homelessness and housing insecurity. Primarily, what makes this very different is that we've not had that coordinated, broad approach to this issue previously in this region. We've had a lot of great nonprofit agencies such as Beacon and New Hope for Families and Wheeler Missions and many others do great work, serve you know the, the clients that come to them and um, help them to address their urgent needs as well as long-term needs for stability. But where we struggled is on those comprehensive strategies, everything from pulling together community-wide data so that we know how we're doing, to coordinating efforts to house people uh, throughout the region and to prevent people from falling into homelessness. So, this plan, you know, will not be anything that's over with quickly. These issues are tough. They require a lot of work on many different fronts. But what we will be able to get started with, thanks to the funding commitments from the city of Bloomington and Monroe County and others, some some first steps, including hiring a a small team of professionals that are going to be dedicated to this work day in, day out. And that's, that's something we've not had before either in the community. The team is going to build an active coalition uh, that meets regularly, uh, works on strategies, monitors progress, and so forth. They're going to create that data set and dashboard for the public um, to be able to see where we are to benchmark ourselves on progress and, and to monitor that over the years. And then work on some specific incentives for housing folks 
uh, working with landlords on, you know, things including um, a risk mitigation pool that we're going to explore, other incentives, and just starting with education and outreach so that we can build those relationships and, and tap into them so that hopefully when folks who are vulnerable need to be housed, it's a win-win for both the individual and, you know, that landlord who may have a vacancy and be interested in, in taking someone on with the supports that, that they need. United Way of Monroe County, the Community Foundation of Monroe County, and the Housing Insecurity Working Group conducted a report titled Heading Home 2021, a regional plan for making homelessness rare, brief, and non-repeating. Fefferman touched on how the project intends to accomplish its goals of making homelessness rare, brief, and non-repeating. So each of those goals has different strategies underneath it. And when we're talking about preventing homelessness, we're talking about making sure that folks have the right supports to stay on top of their mortgage or rent, especially when something unexpected happens, or if they have a dispute with the landlord and are facing eviction, that they have the legal support that they need to work through those issues. There are also strategies for other services that, you know, have to be part of the big picture when we're talking about preventing homelessness. So things in the realm of financial stability and employment and even childcare and transportation are big factors in assuring that people can remain self-sufficient, right? Mm -hmm. And then when we're talking about someone who's already in homelessness, this plan is really centered around uh, what is called the housing first approach. And that is an approach that's been adopted nationally. Um, HUD utilizes it. And locally, we've taken some steps towards it. And it's really based on the premise that in order to really help an individual or a family move out of homelessness, we've got to be quick about it. And we've got to attend to housing first. Let's house them first and then offer the supports of helping them find employment and attend to their health needs or, you know, maybe there are substance use or mental health issues that have gone unaddressed. But until that person has um, a stable place to sleep at night that, you know, is secure and that worry is taken off of their minds, it's really not as productive to focus on those other things. And and that's kind of flipping the model that had been used for many decades where, you know, people in homelessness were told, well, first, let's get you, you know, a job. So here's all the things you need to do to get a job. Let's see that you're staying on the job, which of course requires, you know, things like being able to be presentable and 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 clean and well fed and have transportation and you can imagine how challenging that is if you don't know where you're sleeping that night to commit to you know a steady job um, and all the things that go with it so flipping the script on that housing people first and in order to house people first we have to open up some housing options in the region We know that in Bloomington in particular, the market is pretty saturated for affordable rentals and supportive housing and other transitional housing programs and other things. And that's why this approach, this plan really looks at our region and the untapped potential of relationships throughout it to 
get people housed, just as I, as I said. The city of Bloomington had committed $1.2 million to support the project as a part of its Recovered Forward initiative. Deputy Mayor Don Griffin said during a press conference that the city will dedicate an additional $1.5 million for the project in 2022. Monroe County Commissioner Julie Thomas said the county designated $1.2 million in the here and now, plus an additional $1.2 million in endowment funding to sustain the Head Home project. Pfefferman outlines how the funding came together. I commend our partners uh, for prioritizing this um, and and for realizing that um, without resources behind this plan, we may just be here again in a few years, um, you know, wondering what we need to do. And and I think that's one of the silver linings of the pandemic is this opportunity to have some funding with flexibility through ARPA and uh, to really take a look at what our most critical needs are as a community. So the City Council of Bloomington did approve the $1.2 million that was proposed by the administration. And then they have also appropriated $1.5 million to other strategies that align with our plan, including investing in the housing authorities, new development, down payment assistance, and designating a landlord risk mitigation fund for Bloomington here. And then the county uh, has not fully completed their ARPA process yet, but they, all of the county council members and all three commissioners did sign off on a letter of intent to commit the total of $2.4 million that you mentioned, $1.2 for operations and programs, and $1.2 million uh, to seed an endowment fund at our community foundation so that we can sustain the operations of this work beyond the ARPA timeline. And that right there, you know, both of those things attending to our ability to launch this initiative and our ability to sustain it are just incredible gifts to the community. And we're just, the Community Foundation and United Way are very grateful for our our partners and, and their support. And they're heavily involved in the work as well. So, uh, it's just been a really great collaborative process, and we're excited about getting this fully launched. While playing a role in searching for long-term solutions to housing insecurity, Pfefferman expanded on her biggest takeaways on how to solve this crisis on the local level. I think the strategies in the plan really reflect the research that was done over the span of months by our committees. And and one of them specifically looked at best practices throughout the nation and throughout the world. And so the things that you see in the Heading Home 2021 plan really reflect the best practices out there from communities who are um, making a difference and, and seeing that. So first of all, the housing first approach uh, was key. Second of all, having some sort of entity responsible for these strategies and executing them. So that's, again, why why we're here and why this is being taken in at United Way and the Community Foundation as the entity that's going to oversee the execution of this plan. And then some of the other tools that, that we mentioned to incentivize rentals um, and, and housing opportunities are in there as well. So I think the plan really does reflect the the current best practices as well as 
strengths that we possess in our community to build on already. And, and I think that collaboration is, is truly one of those that, that, you know, we identified as an asset that we have and something to, to build on. To find out more details about the Heading Home 2021 initiative, you can visit MonroeUnitedWay.org. The Community Kitchen of Monroe County will offer a free meal on Thanksgiving Day to those in need. WFHB News Director Kate Young speaks to the Executive Director of Community Kitchen, Vicki Pierce, in today's future report. Vicki Pierce, Executive Director of the Community Kitchen of Monroe County, thank you for coming on to the WFHB Local News. Thanks for having me. Well, first off, Vicki, would you just describe to me the work you do at Community Kitchen? Uh, here at Community Kitchen, we are working to help eliminate hunger in Monroe County, um, and the primary way that we do that is through direct service. And so we have uh, three locations through which we provide dinner. One of those locations is just a couple of days a week, but the other two locations are six days a week, and the dinners are provided to anyone in need, no questions asked. We have both warm, ready-to-eat food as well as cold, reheatable meals if folks need to take meals with them. In addition, we have outreach programs specifically targeting vulnerable populations like children, senior adults, um, and those who are facing chronic health issues. Well, thank you for walking me through the work you do at Community Kitchen. Now, I wanted to focus on on tomorrow, Thanksgiving Day. So on Thanksgiving Day, um, what are Community Kitchen's plans to providing a, a, a meal to those in need? So typically, uh, year-round, we serve dinner from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thanksgiving Day and on Christmas Day, uh, we serve an extra hour just to accommodate folks, um, provide just a little more time for people to be inside a, a social atmosphere. And so uh, we'll provide dinner from 3 to 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day from both our main location and our express location. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we're very aware of is a lot of our patrons who use our kitchen services um, either don't have family um, or don't have family nearby and oftentimes at the holidays um, don't really have that experience that many of us do with friends and family and a, a big traditional meal. So we provide <clears throat> a traditional Thanksgiving meal to anyone in need, no questions asked. Um, and so folks can come here and sit down and enjoy a good holiday meal in an atmosphere with a lot of uh, volunteers and folks who are very excited to be here on the holiday. Um, it's just a really nice um, opportunity to to be able to spend that time with folks. You know, Thanksgiving is a time when we gather with our loved ones and share a meal. So um, I appreciate you expanding on the importance of providing a free meal to those in need uh, during this holiday. Now, this is Community Kitchen of Monroe County's 38th Thanksgiving feast. Would you share with our listeners what's on the menu this year? So the menu is turkey, of course. Um, we will have stuffing and uh, mashed potatoes, green bean casserole, cranberry fruit ambrosia, rolls, and pies. 
So it is what people, the items that most people think of as the most traditional Thanksgiving uh, table items, we will have all of those here. <clears throat> and ample food for folks who are dining in with us to come back for seconds if they want. Um, in addition, we work with the Hoosier Hills Food Bank to be able to hand out bags of groceries on Thanksgiving Day. And so patrons who are here, um, if they wish, they can take a bag of groceries away with them at the end of their meal. We work with um, Area 10 Agency on Aging on both Thanksgiving and Christmas to help provide meals that are delivered to homebound seniors. Um, and so I believe we're doing over 300 of those with them. Uh, so we'll get the food all ready to go. Area 10 has organized a list of uh, local low-income seniors who need the food assistance on Thanksgiving. And they've also assembled a list of volunteers who will be the drivers for those. And so folks will come here and pick up those meals and then deliver them <clears throat> to the homes of local low-income seniors who are shut in for the holiday and don't have family with whom to spend it. Um, in addition, we'll serve, you know, both from our, our main location and our Illitzville location, um, and we'll see probably, you know, around 100 folks at both of those, each of those locations as well. You know, the phrase, there's no such thing as a free lunch. The work you, you do seems to hit back at that phrase. So I, I just was curious, what does that phrase mean to you and, and how are you reshaping the narrative there? Well, you know, we don't require anything of our folks who come here to eat. We don't ask them to pass an income test or a needs test. We don't ask them to pitch in and do dishes. Um, you know, all we ask is that they come in and enjoy their meal and, you know, be polite and respectful to those around them. And uh, and that's all we ask, <clears throat> you know, I mean, the sense that, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Um, you know, it's not free. It's not free for us to provide it. Um, it. It costs, you know, financial um, investment and uh, food donations and volunteer support and staff support. So, you know, in the sense of it being sort of, you know, universally free, it's not. It does cost uh, us in the community to do that. But for our folks in need, it, it costs them nothing. Um, we don't ask them for any personal information. We don't ask them to jump through any hoops, come in the door, get some food, sit down and enjoy it. Um, and that's really all we ask. We do, however, <clears throat> throughout the year have a good number of patrons who will decide to volunteer with us for a while. Um, and, you know, we're, we welcome them when they choose to do that, but that's never something that we ask. That low barrier to entry for providing free meals is so important. So I appreciate you, you touching on that. Now, Community Kitchen consists of three locations, one on Rogers Street, another on 11th Street, and a third location in Ellettsville. So which locations are offering the free Thanksgiving meal? And are there specific details our listeners should know about, you know, dietary restrictions, et cetera, ahead of the holiday? So um, our two locations in Bloomington, uh, so our main location at 1515 South Rogers and our express location at 1100 West 11th Street, will both be serving a meal on Thanksgiving uh, from 3 to 6 p.m. At those locations, at our main location, we will also have a vegetarian option. So folks want a traditional meal, the rest of the traditional meal, but, you know, don't want turkey and want a, a vegetarian entree. 
we will have that option here. Uh, we're not serving Thanksgiving this year at our Ellettsville location because numbers have been low enough and a lot of the folks that we traditionally serve in Ellettsville are um, folks who are who are going to be on that Area 10 list of folks who are getting meals delivered. And so we're going <clears> to <throat> bypass that this year. Uh, fairly soon we'll be operating a food truck in Ellettsville um, on the days that we serve out there instead of in the, the location that we've been in. So that will be changing in the future. But typically our folks really work to make sure that we're, you know, not putting a lot of extra salt and sodium in our meals, that um, things are as healthy and fresh as they can be. But certainly, you know, folks are welcome to when they come, if they have special dietary needs or things that they're allergic to, to make sure that they ask, you know, the staff to ensure that, that there's nothing in there that they can't eat. Absolutely. Now, Vicki, the last question I have for you, it's a bit more of a personal one. I was just curious, what is your fondest holiday memory in your work over at Community Kitchen? <laughs> well, unfortunately for me, because this doesn't make me necessarily sound great, but my fondest holiday experience is um, that every year on Thanksgiving, I work Thanksgiving Day um, for the first half of the day. And my Thanksgiving breakfast is stuffing. So one of the things that has sort of become a tradition here is that when kitchen staff are getting stuffing and when it starts coming out of the oven, one of the first pans of stuffing, they dish up a bowl of stuffing and bring it to me for my breakfast. So that's really, it's become a real, you know, sort of tender spot for me, uh, just something that I really enjoy. But, you know, one of the things that is really great that happens here at Thanksgiving and Christmas at either holiday, sometimes both, but at least at one holiday every year, is that someone from the community will volunteer to just come in and either play music or sing music to folks when they eat. And so we've had everything from, you know, small quartets. We've had folks bring a harp and come in and play. Uh, we've had folks come in and, you know, and sing carols at Christmas or whatever. And so that's always really a I think a really nice thing for our folks. It's a little bit of holiday cheer. It gives the folks who are coming to present, it gives them the opportunity to give back to some of our folks. And then for our patrons who may not get to participate in a lot of the holiday festivities that many of the rest of us do, it gives them a little extra boost of cheer as well. And so that's one of the things that's always sort of heartwarming to see. We don't solicit it. It just happens every year. Um, and it's different people all the time, but we really appreciate when that happens. It's it's an extra nice thing for folks. Well, Vicki, thank you for sharing your favorite holiday memory in your work over at Community Kitchen. Now, uh, I want to give you the last word. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we uh, part ways? You know, we're just really grateful for the generous community in which we live, uh, that folks really step up for us on a regular basis, but especially around the holidays to make sure that we have the food and the funds that we need to carry on the work that that we do. And we feel, we feel grateful to be a part of that along with our community supporters. And uh, we just, we're very grateful for that. And we appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Vicki Pierce, Executive Director at the Community Kitchen of Monroe County, thank you for your time. Thank you. Up next, Giving Beyond Thanks on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. 
Host and producer Richard Fish covers charity scams in the latest edition of Better Beware. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. You probably know the world-famous detective Sherlock Holmes, fictional creation of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. One of the many ingenious Holmes stories is called The Man with the Twisted Lip. A wealthy London businessman has vanished, and Holmes sets out to track him down. He encounters a street beggar with a deformed face who may have kidnapped the businessman, but it turns out that the missing man and the beggar are one and the same. It seems the businessman has discovered that by wearing tattered clothes and using makeup to make his face unrecognizably ugly, he can actually take in more money by begging than by working his legitimate job. Today, fake beggars of all kinds prey on decent, kindly people like you and me all the time, and they're especially active during the holiday season, when many of us give generously to help those in need and get some deductions on the ledger for next year's tax reporting. AARP reports that Americans gave $471 billion to charity last year, and about one-third of that happens during December. Here's how to make sure your generosity actually accomplishes something good, instead of just fattening the bank accounts of people with twisted lips. First and most important, check out every charity before you give. There are some excellent websites online that spotlight the fraudsters and make it easy to look up any charity. There's the Federal Trade Commission at ftc.gov charity and the Better Business Bureau has a site at give.org. There's Charity Navigator, all one word, charitynavigator.org, and Charity Watch, also all one word, charitywatch.org. Even if the organization is a legal nonprofit, find out how much of the money they raise actually goes to the good cause, and if you don't know, don't give. The feds shut down a massive fundraiser this year, which simply kept 90% of the $110 million they took in. Donate with a credit card or write a check. Anybody who wants a gift card or cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or asks you to wire money is very likely to be a crook. When you're pressured to act right now, watch out. If any appeal insists on immediate action, Back off and check it out. And double-check any appeal that comes in over social media. Facebook, Instagram, and all the rest are full of phony appeals for help. Even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle could be taken in by scammers. He fell victim to spiritualists who claimed to be able to communicate with dead people, and he actually believed fairies were living in his garden. If he can be fooled, so can anyone. But protecting yourself from charity scams is elementary. 
I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at WFHB.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at WFHB.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Cade Young. Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Noel Herhusky Schneider. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast, as well as all other WFHB news programming online at WFHB.org. You can be a part of our award-winning news team. For more information about joining our volunteer team of citizen journalists, email news at WFHB.org. Stay tuned for Cool Solutions, climate action from the bottom up. Coming up next on WFHB. Hi, everybody. This is Todd, and I'm one of the announcers who read the daily local news on WFHB. And today I want to remind you that Thanksgiving is this week. And I hope everyone has a safe, healthy, and happy holiday. I'm going to share one of my childhood memories of Thanksgiving at my grandparents' house, where Thursday morning, we started off with a breakfast of eggs benedict. You know, a poached egg on Canadian bacon on an English muffin, smothered with that rich, creamy hollandaise sauce served on a shiny silver hubcap. If you're wondering why hubcaps, let me remind you that there's no plate like chrome for the hollandaise.